As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Late Old Trafford winner from a veteran Portuguese star, the result sealed by a magnificent save from one of the Premier League's most informed goalkeepers. Sadly, that's a description of Wolves' win, their first on our turf since 1980. New Year, same old Manchester United. Welcome to Talk of the Devils, a Manchester United podcast brought to you by The Athletic. I'm Ian Irving and holding the fort with us tonight is United We Stand editor and Athletic contributor, of course, Andy Mitten. Hi, Andy. I was at Old Trafford. You were over in Spain, but I think we both had the same view of that. Yeah, yeah, we did. I've been back for all the games over Christmas, well, the ones which which took place. And out to uh, cover Barcelona on whenever it was, I'm losing track of days. But yeah, I watched it on, on the television and I, I feel like it was a, a big, big blow. Before we get into it, I'd like to wish everyone a happy new year, including yourself, mate. That might be the uh, only positive share from me this evening. <laughs> there might be some positives when we talk about Phil Jones, possibly. But as we usher in a new year on Talk of the Devils, there was an unpleasantly familiar feeling to that result and performance, unfortunately, at Old Trafford. I was at the game, like I say, and in Laurie Whitwell's absence, I spoke in some depth with our match reporter, Adam Crafton. So we're sat in the press box with Adam Crafton, of course, from The Athletic. You can still just about make out the hum of the mowers cleaning up the mess on the Old Trafford pitch. There was quite a lot of mess. From a Manchester United perspective, Adam, wasn't it? Wasn't very good, that was it? No, it was. Well, I mean, it was as bad as anything as we've, that we've seen since Ralph Rangnick came in as manager. Very difficult to find positives tonight for Manchester United. It was really, really poor. I think you know they. I think it took them about seventy minutes to win a corner, um, one shot on target. Up until that point, it was really, really poor, and really only one chance created, which Bruno Fernandes managed to hit against the bar and. A night which which I think left supporters wondering what exactly Ragnick's trying to do 
with the team that you know they were neither pressing nor not pressing um, quite easy to play against a lot of spaces in the middle of the pitch for Wolves to exploit and when Wolves scored the goal they absolutely deserved it yeah Ralph Rangnick spoke in the press conference a moment ago which we were both listening to he didn't say a great deal in terms of explaining what was wrong but it's clear that he's not happy with what's happening at the minute but far more candid was Luke Shaw's interview with Sky Sports as well and I've just spoken to him myself too he said that he felt at times that the players weren't all there together on the pitch he said to me several times as well that he felt they were lacking intensity I mean we're at the point where we're getting a Luke Shaw crisis candid interview Adam aren't we yeah and it's it's, it's completely baffling um, in terms of the intensity I mean you're playing at Old Trafford in front of 70,000 people I, I can never understand how a team can't start with intensity you know, you watch any of those other top six teams and they generally give you a level of intensity and urgency that we just don't see from Manchester United. How many games have we seen, you know, over the last year and a half where they just do not start properly? And when you don't start properly, you get yourself into a situation where it's very hard to then pick yourself back up. And that's, that's the recurrent theme. I think there's questions that come out of it. Obviously, Bruno Fernandes didn't start today, um, came on, probably made United better when he was on the pitch. Um, but then you have other other situations that, that are that are really intriguing. You know, Ralph Rangnick when he first came in, it looked like Dallo and Tellers were going to be the fullbacks. Now Wan-Bissaka and Shaw have started two games in a row. What's the plan there? Um, Matic appears to have overtaken Fred on the basis of half a game against Burnley, where United were all right. Um, <laughs> and, and it feels like every decision that's being made at the moment is almost reacting to what we've just seen and you know Ragnick came in with this 4-2-2-2 system where we were told he was going to have two number 10s that then became a straight up 4-4-2 where you know for much of the first half today and I think it's Burnley as well you had Greenwood and Sancho almost hugging the touchline and then at half time it became a 5-3-2 um, or a 3-5-2 however you want to describe it um, it seems like the manager's struggling for an identity for these players and the players themselves as Luke Shaw has said there doesn't seem to be this collective spirit. Once United went a goal down, even a goal down, you think it's Old Trafford, you've got maybe 15 minutes left, including injury time. Go and create a chance. Go and make something happen. Put them under some sort of pressure. And, and there was none of that. It was really comfortable. It felt like there was a lot of different individuals trying to instigate something by themselves. Um, I mean, Ronaldo showed the most urgency he did in the entire game, actually when Wolves scored, sort of gesturing for the ball to get back to the halfway line and then sort of flapping his hands around a bit and it's all you know it's all quite sad and Ragnick's got a decision to make in terms of I think he has to try and settle on a team and a system and go with it for a few games I mean he can't just keep chopping and changing the system within games in between games um, and he's got a decision to make in terms of I think he can only play with one of those two up front and you know it's one of the questions of the season isn't it can you make a competitive Manchester United team out of the individual that's Ronaldo um, and how does that work with Fernandes and Cavani and Sancho I mean Sancho so I'm rambling now but Sancho right. tonight was absolutely appalling he was awful um, as bad as Rashford's been at different points in the season offered very very little equally I have sympathy for him because he's not a wing back and he's playing wing back second half um, so yeah I mean Mason Green was probably the most lively United player taken off after an hour so yeah yeah, we need to talk about that Mason Greenwood change, definitely, because it was probably, I say probably, it was definitely the first sign of sort of disquiet from the fans inside Old Trafford. We're both here, we both heard 
a number of boos really for a substitution which considering we we're only a few weeks into Rangnick's reign it wasn't really a great sign that was it from uh, supporters but I was sort of thinking as well if Greenwood was the answer in terms of bringing him off what was the problem that, that the manager saw? Well, I think Rangnick said in his press conference that it was a decision between Greenwood and Cavani that's the way he saw it I, mean, I think other people watching would have asked well why wouldn't it be a decision also that involved Sancho and Ronaldo I mean either would have been fair fair to take off I think at that point I think you also you know so he went with Cavani because maybe Cavani's more likely to nick a goal than Greenwood um, which which seems reasonably fair um, but but as for Greenwood it's you know he was lively he wasn't fantastic he was just lively made a couple of things happen on the half turn but again you know it's not it's not as though he was playing out of his skin. Um, I did watch him tonight. I was impressed by him physically, the way he held off players a few times. And it made me just think, you know, with the way he started the season through the middle, that he's actually probably physically strong enough now to play through the middle. And that creates, again, that same debate about are they playing the right players through the middle to set the tone for a performance? Um, yeah, I mean, Cristiano Ronaldo is an unbelievable individual player. And you know, deserves all the respect for that. But I think Ralph Ragnick might be coming towards a point where he has to make a decision, you know, am I picking a team that gets me the best results because maybe I could get the job for a couple of years? Or am I trying to develop a style, a level of performance for this team that can then be taken on? And I think if he takes the latter view, it might be the case that he starts playing with some of those younger forwards and trusting them and trying to develop a bit more of a spirit in the team. Yeah, that, that was one alarming thing really from the, the centre forwards and the attacking players as well between Sancho, Greenwood, Cavani and Ronaldo. There didn't seem to be much of a relationship or understanding in that game. Let, let's finish on a, on a high note, um, if, if it is a high note. I think it is, considering what Phil Jones has been through over the course of the last two years. His first appearance for 708 days. Not even played a minute of football between the start at Tranmere and the FA Cup in January 2020 and here tonight. We can both say we were here to see him make his return. I think he deserves so much credit for the, the battle that he's had mentally and physically to get himself back out there on the pitch. And actually, you could probably say he was Manchester United's man of the match, couldn't you? Yep. Um, he was really good. Um, and it's great, you know, it's great for him in terms of you know, two years out. And that's really hard for a player. I think you know, we've, he's almost been reduced to a meme hasn't yeah. he you know for a year for a year and a half two years and that's pretty horrible even before uh, that in fairness even before that yeah he's yeah. had you know a difficult period um he was never going to reach the standard that Alex Ferguson set out for him when he you know said he could be one of the greatest players in the history of the club but equally he's not been as bad as people have made out at times as well probably not as bad as I've made out at time you know at times um as exasperating as you know some individual performances can be at at different moments I thought tonight he did really well against a difficult player and Jimenez a physical player um, I thought him and Varane actually looked quite good together um, as a partnership um, but yeah I mean that's it's really as good as it got isn't it for United the goalkeeper was good again the goalkeeper's always good at the, at the moment the goalkeeper always has a lot to do um, but you know Phil I don't really know where does Phil Jones go from here I mean He's not, I still don't think he'll be playing every week if Maguire and Lindelof are fit. Bailly will come back as well um, from the African Cup of Nations. 
So, I mean, maybe they keep him around for the rest of the season. Maybe, I don't know, maybe Newcastle will watch him tonight. <laughs> yeah, it's a good opportunity to put himself in the shot window as well. I was down pitch side as well, working for the Premier League and saw Phil Jones walk off. He looked very emotional yeah. as he went off the pitch. He got a big ovation from the Stretford end and from the Red Army in that corner as well. Uh, it was a really lovely moment. But in terms of what's next for United then, Adam? Yeah, just just to go back on Jones for, for a second. I mean, the fans were really supportive of him. Before the game, they were singing his name with Spando Ballet. Um, they and actually, I remember they cheered, his first they, they, touch, they cheered yeah. you know his first few touches, and and also um, he did a really powerful interview a few months ago where he was just talking about you know what it's like to see that criticism online and how draining and dehumanising that is at time. And he yeah, I think he spoke at the time about um, you know these kids sat in their bedroom eating pot noodle, playing the PlayStation while he's out here representing Manchester United at the highest level. So, yeah, great night for him uh, individually. Um, what was the point you'd have said? <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't matter, Phil Jones is back and there's a few people choking on their cold pot noodles now in their bedrooms. It's been great to speak to you for Talk of the Devils, Adam. Thank you very much. Pleasure. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Yeah, great to hear from Adam and great to see him at the game, Andy. Um, oh, the risk of sort of going all over it again, I think there's one question I can probably sum up, really. The feeling inside the ground, the feeling I've seen on, on social media, I've heard on the radio, um, it's probably going through your mind as well, Andy. Are United making progress under this interim manager? It's hard to say that United are making progress because the result and performance against Wolves was the low point of Ralph Rangnick's time at Old Trafford so far. But let's not kid ourselves. United were hardly convincing in the wins against Crystal Palace, the draw against Young Boys. The away win at Norwich was partly because David De Gea was, was so good. The draw at Newcastle was really, really disappointing. The high point was scoring free at home to a Burnley side who who can't win any matches. But no, it is still early for, for the manager and I don't want to be too hard on him, but I've seen a palpable lack of a new bounce which comes with a new manager. It tends to happen. A great example of that was when Ole Gunnar Solskjaer came in or even when Louis van Gaal came in that, that pre-season. Everyone looked looked completely different at the start and then the proper game started under van Gaal. But under Mourinho, it was an encouraging start. But... Nah, I'm 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 worried. Uh, I thought that that result against Wolves and that performance was not a surprise. I'm worried about the tactics, the individuals. I'm worried about what I hear 
from within the club and results, as Ralph Rangnick said many times, um, they set the mood. And I think he speaks really well. I think he's excellent with the media. I think he's he's honest. But I said when we first spoke of him, he's got a really, really tough job and I've not changed my opinion there. No, and he sort of acknowledged tonight as well that the job is just as tough as he thought it would be uh, in terms of trying to turn things around at Manchester United. Just picking up on something you said there, Andy, can you share anything about what you've heard about what's happening behind the scenes or the the tone or the, the mood of, of that at all? You've got a new, a new manager coming in and I did a piece for the Athletic a, a couple of weeks ago. He's lost three coaches. Um, when I wrote that piece, it was against the grain because fans were saying, well, we've got a new manager, everything's great. But he didn't want Michael Carrick to leave. He didn't want Kieran McKenna to leave or Martin Pert to leave. So if you lose three of the people who've been coaching the players every single day and expect things just to carry on seamlessly, well, I'm told it just doesn't work like that. The problem is uh, fans associate those three, more so uh, Kieran and, and, and Michael, with a perceived failure of the management under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. And you hear phrases like, good riddance, get rid of them all. Well, they've all gone. They weren't got rid of. I mean, Ollie was sacked. And new coaches have come in with no experience of, of coaching in the Premier League, coaching in the half-light of a Mancunian winter, uh, under really trying circumstances with COVID, with the training ground being locked down. And you've got these new personalities coming in. You've got players who want to leave. You've got players jockeying for position. And again, the team's winning all of this pales and fades away. But when the team's not winning and the team is not playing well, then it becomes a more problematic environment. You Players also know that the manager is likely to be leaving at the end of the season. And I'm no psychologist, but I do wonder whether some of them are thinking beyond this season. And we can see the evidence on the pitch. We saw after the game against Wolves uh, an, an interview which Luke Shaw did. And the final line of that interview, I thought was really telling. Like I said, it's just tough and, and disappointing, but we have time now to, to, to refocus back. We, we got a long training week and, you know, maybe the manager can, can bring some more ideas that, that what he wants on, on the pitch. His body language when he was saying that, he, he looked really defeated because the team had been defeated. But... For a player to say that, I thought that was quite pointed. And you can put this on the players because you can say the players are not doing what they should do, but they're having to adjust to a new tactical system or systems mid-season. And it's a struggle. United have not played a proper good side yet under the new manager. And that mini bounce under Michael Carrick, where he got that really good result against Villarreal, beat Arsenal, drew away at Chelsea, that has now long gone. And yet... And yet, had United beaten Wolves, the top four, which looked pretty difficult only a week ago, suddenly comes right back into focus. And I, I tweeted that I've started working out what the league table is going to be like when Manchester United win the games in hand, because I just assume that United will win the games in hand. More for me. It's like an illness. What evidence have I got, given how disappointing this season <laughs> has been? For Manchester United to be winning the games in hand, it's been a poor season pretty consistently. And that's that's such a blow because 
I was so up for this season. Second last year, really good signings going into this season. And it's been really poor. We're probably 20 goals down on last this the same point of, of last season. Clearly, we're a lot lower in the league because United were top or about to become top a year ago. The, the squad is packed with world-class players and the league table doesn't lie. It's just so frustrating. The team are creating so few chances. You can't even get corners. I think Wolves had nine corners to one, which United had at Old Trafford in that defeat. So, And it's dull. It's really dull, Ian. The football is really, really dull. And and that worries me. Yeah, and you sort of, you heard it in Old Trafford tonight, the return of the, of the chance, attack, attack, attack. Adam and I reflected on the negative reaction to the decision to take off Mason Greenwood first from that attacking quartet that wasn't quite finding its feet in the game. Um, and unfortunately, Andy, as well, the recurring themes from the matches that you will have been at over Christmas, that I've been at over Christmas as well, um, lots on the Athletic at the minute reflecting on what's been a disappointing Christmas period for Manchester United. Even the results at times haven't been the worst. Laurie Whitwell, uh, who will be back soon, uh, with us on this podcast, wrote uh, after Newcastle about the system, the 4-2-2-2, which has since been tweaked, uh, of course. And tonight it was tweaked in-game. But they didn't start with that system. They didn't end with that system either. Uh, I'm not sure what they ended with, really. There were so many changes in that second half in particular. Um, Phil Buckingham, after the Burnley game, wrote about how impressive Scott McTominay uh, was in that game and has been recently. He started every single Premier League game under the interim manager Rangnick. So it's interesting to see his emergence as well. We'll talk to you, Andy, about that in a minute. Uh, and also a, a nice sentence for me to say here as well. Carl Anker's back and he's writing about Manchester United as well. It'll be good to have him back on this podcast very soon too. So look out for that. Uh, now 2022 is here. Uh, also reflecting on, on Burnley and, and the system and using Cavani and everything else. But Let's talk about a positive then, Andy. Scott McTominay, has he looked better to you in this system? He certainly did in that Burnley game, a little bit more freedom to get forward and it looks like he's been practising his shooting as well. Yeah, I don't think the Wolves game was the best example, but it was the 10th Premier League game on the trot which he started. I don't think any others have, have started that many recently. And I did a piece for the Athletic on him a couple of weeks ago where I spoke to a lot of people who know him and I got pretty glowing assessments. And not every Manchester United fan wanted to hear that because he's a player who divides fan opinions. But I thought he was really, really good against um, Burnley. And against Wolves, he, I mean, United's midfield was pretty poor. United's midfield is another issue um, which we can talk about as well. But lots of them players gave the ball away too much uh, against uh, Wolves. I do stats. I watch the games very closely, and normally your your player uh, passing percentages will be in the nineties against Wolves. Luke Shaw seventy two, Jaden Sancho seventy three, Cavani seventy two, Ronaldo seventy seven, Phil Jones ninety. Way that may be the the good <laughs> thing we can talk about. But I think Scott. I like Scott. I think he's a good person. He's a he's a good player. I like his backstory. I like the way that he's overcome obstacles and just keeps going and going. No, he's not technically the best central midfielder in the world. You could argue that he shouldn't even be starting every single week for Manchester United compared to the past greats who've played in that position, but he's not a problem for Manchester United at the moment. He brings more than he takes away from that team. I'm just more worried that the Manchester United team he plays for doesn't look like the Manchester United team I, I, I would like to recognise. 
No, it was a tough comparison for McTominay and Nemanja Matic in that midfield up against Neves and Matinho as well, who ran the show at Old Trafford, certainly in that first half. Um, before we move on then, Andy, I spoke to Adam about him, but I need to speak to you about him as well. Phil Jones being back in a Manchester United shirt, fit, playing well as well. I, I said this to Adam, he's pretty much man of the match in that game and it, and it helped the way the fans got behind him as well. They were cheering his every touch, his every action in that first half just to sort of G him up and enjoy the moment. I just think he deserves so much credit for fighting back and everything that he's been through. And no matter what happens in the future now, the fact that he's come back, he's made a start, he's made an impact and he's returned to the first team at United. It's, it's such a big, big deal, isn't it? It's been a, been a long time uh, coming and I knew he'd get a good response and I got a call from BBC Radio 5 just before the game started asking me to talk about him and I said he will get a good response and the presenter said, really? I said, yeah, he absolutely will because he, he's not wished to, to be injured. He's been really unfortunate and he's had a lot of criticism, especially um, online and the criticism seems to be that he's injured and he's picking up um, a wage. Well, he doesn't want to be injured. No footballers want to be injured. I thought he was Manchester United's best player against Wolves. He was, yeah. And right from the start as well. Made a clearance after seven minutes. And he was Jose Mourinho's first choice central defender in Premier League matches. And I don't think he's a Varane-class defender. But he was better than Varane against Wolves. Varane didn't have a bad game either. And he's 29 years old. He's the I think he's the longest serving player. He came in that that summer, 2011, when da David de Gea uh, came, and he had some great games for Manchester United. He just had a terrible last couple of years, and I remember writing about him more regularly when he was playing more regularly. And in one of my articles, totaling up the different types of injuries he had, it was like 14 different types. And you wouldn't wish that on anyone. And people say, yeah, he's got all this money. That, that, that argument just doesn't hold any any weight for me. I'd love to see him not be injured and to enjoy his football and to show people what a decent player is. And whether that's at Manchester United is probably doubtful. But he was shown tonight that squads are needed because players get injured, especially now when we've got uh, the, the COVID issues around football managers are needing all the players that, that they can have and he stepped in tonight and he stepped up so that was about the only bright spot maybe David De Gea had another good game but he's only having good games because United are conceding far too many chances yeah it's almost a barometer of Manchester United's poor form isn't it when David De Gea starts being the player of the month again and he's been player of the month the last two months so reading to that what you will uh, I need to remind you at this point you can subscribe to The Athletic now with a 33% discount Go to theathletic.com forward slash Man United pod. You get full access to all the great Manchester United writing that we've been speaking about on this podcast and also ad-free versions of the Athletics podcast, including our Sir Alex Ferguson special to celebrate his 80th birthday and all the articles, of course, related to that as well. So make your way to theathletic.com forward slash Man United pod and sign up now for a third offer subscription. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, 
quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So, the January transfer window is now open and United can feasibly, at this point, they might even make an announcement while we're doing this podcast, Andy. Maybe not. Uh, they can look to strengthen, though, this month, can't they, in this squad and and sort of see if, if Rangnick can put some sort of uh, a stamp on it. He certainly has, in his comments about players not leaving, very, very strong in his comments about Edison Cavani and Donny van der Beek not leaving Manchester United during the January transfer window. Like you said before, he's speaking well, isn't he? He's saying the right sorts of things. It's just on the pitch where uh, there's a bit of a mistranslation, maybe. Yeah, it, it's dull football. This 4-2-2-2, it, it's, just, it's just not working. I can't see any momentum with it. Manchester United changed formations at home against Wolves. I'm baffled by this. And the crowd are not stupid and they won't get on the manager's back yet. But if this continues, they will get on the manager's back. And it's not just on the manager, it's on the players as well, but it's also on the manager. He's been brought in and talked a fantastic story and had, had a glowing CV and he's expected to act upon that. He's paid a lot of money to get Manchester United clicking again and that is not that is not happening. United are really labouring against the poorer team, just not even creating chances. It's not even exciting. I think Wolves had 19 shots against nine for Manchester United. And, and this is against poor teams. Wolves are not a poor team. Wolves were decent, but Wolves are not a team who are renowned for creating chances. So it could very quickly turn sour if results do not improve. If United go out of the FA Cup to Aston Villa, if United get hammered against the better teams because the fixture list so far has been pretty forgiving. In terms of transfers, well, Anthony Martial wants to leave. We know that. We know that Paul Pogba is running out of time on his contract. We know that Jesse Lingard has been frustrated about his lack of minutes. So every player's got a different set of circumstances. I think fans would like to say, well, who are we going to bring in? And I think United are not going to be bringing, don't plan to bring anybody in unless it becomes an emergency. Like when Bruno Fernandes came in, the season was dying on its backside and Bruno was brought in and he totally changed the season actually. But United's squad is, is still too big. Ronaldo wasn't expected to come at the start of this year. There are a lot of players there. Axel Twanzebe, um, who hasn't figured this season because he's been at Villa, he's likely to go to, to Napoli and be great if he can do well um, for for Napoli and do well in Italy, like Chris Smalling has done. But I don't think he's someone who we'd be thinking about as United's future central defender, as we might have done a year or two ago. But I'd be surprised if Manchester United were going out and, and, and buying players and spending a lot of money in January. 
I think what United have got to do is get more out of the players that have been brought. Jaden Sancho, we've not mentioned him, him yet. He's been so disappointing. He was so poor against Wolves. And that's another point of frustration among many others. Yeah, Adam agreed with you, didn't he? He said exactly the same, that he, he thought Jaden Sancho was particularly poor. Any truth in this Julian Alvarez link, the, the River Plate player with Manchester United, Andy? I'm a bit sus with January rumours because a lot of them um, come out of agents pushing it. So there was an Ecuadorian player a year ago and I checked it out fully. I think he went to Brighton in the end. Oh, the central midfielder. I forget his name, but yeah. Um, it was his agent linking him to Manchester United. So I see the type of outlets reporting on this. Just And I think a lot of it is, is clickbait stuff and... I think the idea of Manchester United paying River Plate €86 million Euros for a buyout clause uh, is highly improbable at the moment. I think Rangnick has made it clear that he wants to keep Cavani. Cavani didn't have his best game against Wolves, but he did well when he came on uh, at, at Newcastle. And if he's half as effective in the second half of this season as he was in the second half of last season, we've got something at least to look forward to. I still think he's a great player. He's just too injury prone or unable to play in, in in enough matches. So, I think you'll be you'll find a lot of noise about which players might be coming in in January. But I do not expect a lot of incoming uh, transfer activity to Manchester United. Have you heard anything in? No, it's quiet, isn't it? Um, like you were saying before, there's this uncertainty about how long Rangnick is going to be there, and and do you give him the keys to Old Trafford and and the keys to the transfer kitty, um, if he isn't going to be there beyond the end of the season. Of course, there's also the added issue that, that there's a transition now between Edward Wood and Richard Arnold and, and how that plays out. Going back to the, the point that we've spoken about so many times in the podcast this season, who is making the decisions, who will make the decisions uh, this January, especially now, like you said as well, the, 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 coach, the coaches have gone down too. So, you know, people who had quite a big say on the way that Manchester United played and the type of players they would want to, to bring in. Um, have gone too. Very interesting again to see Darren Fletcher on the touchline. He was on the touchline tonight as much as anyone, um, more so even than Rangnick at, at times. It's 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 him from the coaches who's stepping forward to to, to bark out the instructions and and direct the traffic, so to speak. Um, is is that a, an issue for United that he he's as hands on as that Andy? I, I know we've sort of spoken about him being. Manchester United through and through, knowing exactly what's required and, and being the right sort of character to to be in that role. But considering he's needed, isn't he, at a higher level? No? Yeah, you're talking uncertainty because there's confusion about what his role is now because Darren was one of the people who interviewed Ralph Rangnick and the other potential candidates for the interim manager role. And then the next time people see him very publicly is sometimes looking like the main man outside the dugout, looking like the manager, even in a more pronounced and prominent role than the actual manager. Uh, I've said before, I really respect Darren's way of thinking. I think he's, I'm glad he's working at Manchester United. I really am. I think he's, he's very talented. I think he could become a very talented manager. He's got the right ingredients there. But at the moment, he's, he's not. He's not got any experience as a, as a, as a top-flight manager. So maybe some clarity is needed as to what his role is. But I think it's also a needs-must situation. When we lost those names that I mentioned earlier on, no fans wanted to hear that that was a big loss. They just didn't. It was just totally going against the grain of what everyone was thinking. 
But I'm sorry, that is, that is the truth of it. You have the people taking training every day and, and then they go. So Darren stepped up, he's there. I'm also told that Ralph Rangnick has been consulting more with Mike Phelan and Mike Phelan's been there at the club for a, a long time. And when you hear little bits like this, and when the team are winning, everything is shone through a totally different prism. Oh, good. Yeah, we're winning. Everything's great. What a wise man tapping into that reservoir of knowledge. When we talk about this now, having lost at home to Wolves, that is not, you don't get the same reaction. It's what on earth is going on. And, and again, it's about results. And the manager knows that. And he said that uh, a couple of times. He's, he's, he's clearly a very sharp man, but he's brought his coaches in. Them coaches have got to win the trust of the players as well. And if them coaches are not known to the players, they've also got a really difficult uh, job as well. So it all seems a little bit confused at the moment. And the manager's not got a huge amount of time to get it together. And one thing I went, I'll go back to, when he first got the job, I said, if he's winning every week, the manager will have complete power. Everybody will bow to his, his knowledge who do you want to bring in? Yeah, we'll give you a bit of money in January. Who do you want to make as manager? But if he's not, the opposite will be true. And it will be like, get this blagger out of the club. So that, that all still hangs in the balance. It does a bit, We had a really, bad result, a really bad result against Wolves. But other clubs have had bad results as well. And I hate myself for like watching Liverpool lose against Leicester, thinking, hmm... Might be a little chanted, and don't be stupid. Liverpool put five <laughs> past United. The miles better than Manchester United at the moment. Yet United finished above them last year in the league. You need to go back to being a media-trained Premier League footballer and just say, take it game by game, Andy. Don't look too far ahead of yourself. I've looked at that player, by the way, for Brighton, the Ecuadorian. Moises Caicedo, That's the, the one. midfielder. Yeah. Uh, so he signed for Brighton last January, and he's now on loan in the Belgium First Division at Burshot. So, well, um, well, there you yeah, go. He's not, he's not played a minute for Brighton. There you go. And there's so much of that in football. And, and you see it when somebody signs. They're like, they'll see like a two or three minute clip of his YouTube stuff. And they'll be like, he looks brilliant. In. Put him in, give him a gun on the right. I've just seen it so many times where players have come in and they're just not ready or, or they're bought for the future. And one of them was Donny van der Beek. And I said it on this podcast at the time. I've been given no indication oh, that he's no. going to be a regular Manchester United starter at any point. And he's become a darling. And other clubs have. Barcelona have got a lad called Ricky Pudge, who all the fans think is like, he's the next Messi. It's just waiting <laughs> to break out. Unfortunately, every single coach he's played under doesn't have that opinion. Yeah. Yeah, it's a slight issue, isn't it? Right, before we wrap things up then, I think we should mark tonight as well because it was the first time at the game this evening that Manchester United fans were able to stand legally inside Old Trafford to watch the team in nearly three decades, actually. Of course, it was the start of the, the trial for safe standing and the rail seats that had been installed at Old Trafford were, were used properly for the first time tonight. There was, I think, 1,500 home fans in the old J-stand section in the quadrant between the Stralitz Ferguson stand and the East stand. And there's also 500 away fans as well. I have to say, being at the game, it was still the Red Army dictating things in the, in the opposite corner from a, a home fan's perspective. But it's encouraging, Andy, isn't it? People are listening. It's a trial that's taking place. It sounds like tonight's gone well, despite the result. Uh, it's a step forward, isn't it? You've been right across this story from the start almost. I've been writing about this since 1994 when terracing disappeared from Old Trafford and I used to stand on the terraces myself. I've travelled around the world 
uh, grounds and I've stood on terraces and I've been a big advocate of safe standing areas. It's been a long time coming. I think you've got to give Manchester United some credit for being at the forefront of wanting to trial these areas. You say uh, the main area was coming tonight from the Stratford end. You're absolutely right. Nothing really changed in J-Stand because them barriers have been in all season. It just became yeah. legal tonight. Fans yeah, have been true, stood in true. there throughout this season. And I speak to fans in there and I've spoke to some after the Wolves game said it's been it's been really good. By, by the way, it wasn't a it wasn't a criticism whatsoever of the fans who were in that section. It's just the fact that the Red Army are so loud now, aren't they? Yeah, it's coming from um, there. And that's great. Yeah. That's that that is a traditional vocal heartland is the Stretford end. Jay Stan's had its moments over the years and even this season it's had some really good moments and there's loads of good Reds who go in there. But people like John Darch, who's a Bristol City fan, he pushed for safe standing more than anyone. Um, Phil Gattenby, a Manchester City fan, was on it a long, long time ago. And I can remember going to Leverkusen and writing about this in 2013 when United played there and making a little TV programme about it. And I remember some people at Manchester United laughing at the idea. I won't name them, just, just looking down on the idea, thinking, this doesn't make sense. You want to stand up, but you want to sit down at the same time. Absolutely clueless when it came to fan culture. So I realise Ed Woodward is not a popular man at this moment among United fans. He was really behind bringing in safe standing at Old Trafford. And the fact that it has become a reality is really encouraging because we've seen at other grounds like at Celtic or at Shrewsbury that it does work. And I think people should have a choice whether they can stand up or sit down at matches and I'm really encouraged. And also by the fact that away fans can stand up as well. I think it's great. It was definitely a step forward that tonight and something to keep an eye on, certainly for the future. But that's it for today on Talk of the Devils. The clock has just struck quarter past 10 on Monday night. It's even later where Andy is over in Barcelona. So thank you, Andy, for being with us. Thank you, everyone at home, for listening as well. Don't forget that 33% discount off a subscription to The Athletic as well. Go to theathletic.com forward slash Man United pod. We'll be back on Thursday. Laurie Whitwell's back then, Andy. Are you excited about that? No, oh, I saw him last week in Newcastle. I had a beer with him after the game. And the, oh, con- yeah. the conversation went something like, do you want a pint, Laurie? He went, no, I'll have them. And he pointed at some drink that I'd never heard of. Oh, dear. So I ordered ordered him a glass of this drink. It was like nine quid. And I'm like, what on earth are you drinking? And it, it tasted like rats. And he like <laughs> he started sipping it like he was like a cool cockney or whatever. So I want you to pull him up about it this week and ask him what he was drinking. Well, that, that's the first anecdote now for Thursday's podcast. And I think everyone will want to tune in to find out exactly what he was drinking that tastes like rats and costed, what, nine quid, did you say? It, it cost nine quid. I mean, he's got a bit of a dodgy history and you need to pull him up on this. He's talked about mixing Coke with orange and now he's ordered this nine quid drink. And well, you know he's penchant for Swedish parties with crayfish as well. So we, I feel like we've got quite a lot to digest on Thursday's podcast. And we might even be able to squeeze in a preview to the Aston Villa FA Cup tie as well. We're hoping for better, aren't we? Ralf Rangnick will have his players on that training pitch all week. They've got a full week to prepare for that game. And in the meantime, we'll be back on Thursday finding out exactly what on earth Laurie Whitwell was drinking up at Newcastle. But Andy, thank you. Thank you again to everyone for listening at home and then for everyone at Talk of the Devils. Happy New Year. I think.
The Athletic.